Mac Power Users, episode 506, iOS Accessories. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm excited about this episode because I have a thing about iOS accessories. I think you have a little bit of an accessory problem, David. I do. I've known I you know. a long time, and I feel like every time I see you, you have something. You go into your bag and you pull it out and look at this thing, and then you attach it to your phone or to your iPad. Yeah. And uh, now everyone's going to know that uh, you suffer from this. I well, I think it was probably pretty evident already, but I'll, I'll share some of the details today. <laughs> okay, it's interesting because you know iOS is supposed to be simple, right? You get these devices. In fact, one of the jokes on Mac Power users has always been my my whole iOS troubleshooting matrix, you know, which is only three steps. First, you quit the app and then re- restart the app. And if that doesn't work, then you turn the device off and then you turn it back on. That's the second step. And the third step is you bring it to Apple. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like on the Mac where you're like, you know, debugging font files or something. You know, <laughs> iOS is, is pretty simple in terms of if it works or not, but there's something to be said for taking the self-contained thing and make it better. What's it that John Syracuse says? It was a naked robot or something. Yeah. The a, naked robotic core. Yeah, well, I look at the iPhone and the iPad as a naked robotic core, and I do like to improve upon it. I think it's I think it is interesting because the iPhone in particular has gotten so much better over time. So I feel like there's some accessories that maybe used to be more popular and they've changed over time. I have have an example that we'll talk about, but it is interesting because you can kind of use it as a base to to make other things happen and that's uh it's it's fun and of course it's fun to explore these things and part of the deal is and we're going to talk about this too is that some of these accessories you can buy and have for a really long time and then other things if they're really phone specific like to the form factor or the size you may be replacing them every time you buy a new phone so there's some of that too like there's always an opportunity uh if you want to upgrade if you're that sort of person like we are uh so it's it's kind of a fun ecosystem to play in yeah, it is. And some of the stuff is, is relatively inexpensive and some of it isn't, but it does improve the experience. And the goal with today's show, we've kind of picked different areas like getting work done with keyboards or taking pictures, but there's different areas of this have different accessory sets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, why not? So uh, we kind of have this divided into some categories and I thought we would start with sort of the most universal I feel like everyone needs something in this category, and this category has to do with power and charging. Yeah, yeah. You got to do that. That's critical. Uh, it's it's less important with the latest iPhones with the with the significant battery increase. Yeah, but, I, I, I've just been on family vacation. We're actually kind of behind the scenes. We were recording this right before it comes out, which is a little unusual for us, because I've been in the woods with my family. Yeah. And... At no point did I have battery anxiety with my iPhone 11 Pro, including a such many times where I had very low or no cell service. And, you know, most of the time, if you have like that one bar of 4G, the iPhone is going to spin up its radios and try to stay connected, and that can run the battery down. But honestly, I had uh, at no single day when we were hiking and doing these things did I feel like, oh, man, my battery is not going to make it. it. It really impressed me. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've been really happy with the battery. In fact, yesterday I went to the gym and the, um, the gym heart monitor I wear uses the micro USB, the same thing that plugs into my wireless charger for my phone. So last night I, I had put the gym thing on. I just unplugged it from the wireless charger and plugged into the gym thing to charge it. And I forgot. So I woke up today and I didn't charge it overnight because the wireless charger wasn't plugged in. Yeah. I still, I've still got like half a battery. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's, it's pretty spectacular. And, um, but there are, there are times where we need uh, a little bit more. And so a lot of people look at these power banks, these portable batteries. Uh, Anchor is a popular brand. It's the one that I have. And a- Anchor makes a lot of, in my mind, really good accessories for iOS and other mobile devices all around power and charging. When you're looking at these power banks, you're looking at a, a few factors, and you kind of have to weigh what factors are important to you. You have capacity measured in milliamp hours. So the one that I put in the center that I own is a 20,100 milliamp battery. It will take up to 10 hours to recharge itself, but once it's charged, you can char- uh, keep an iPhone charged between six and seven times. Uh, you can do an iPad uh, Pro maybe once or, tw- or maybe one and a half times. It's a bunch of power. But the other factors are weight. This battery is like a weapon. Like you could hit somebody with it and you could do some damage. It's like the weight of a Maglite. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've got one. You could crack a guy in the head with this thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. willing to make that trade because I only use this battery when I travel. And at that point, like I'm already carrying a bunch of stuff. I'm an overpacker. So I want the most power uh, I can fit in. But the third the third factor to consider, so you have uh, capacity, you have weight, and I'll put in there size. Weight and size are sort of the same thing with these batteries. Yeah. Uh, but then you have uh, the uh, the speed at which it can charge and charges itself. So a lot of these use micro USB, uh, which you mentioned, which I don't love, but it's kind of the standard for this stuff. Uh, and this one in particular does uh, 4.8 amps output. So it's not going to necessarily do a uh, a real fast charge to an iPhone. Some of these batteries do offer faster charging. Some offer USB-C. This just has USB-A. So it's just a matter of figuring out what you want for your needs. Some people may want something that's a lot smaller that would just give them one charge on their iPhone but do it really quickly. So you would look at a different battery with a different set of uh, characteristics. But for me, I went the most power. And at the time, this was about the biggest thing you could buy. I've had this thing for years and I've been really happy with it. Yeah, I've got the slightly newer version of that. It, it also is quite large, but it has USB-C instead of micro USB on it. I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And you can charge, you charge into the USB-C. So if you go on the road and like you have your iPad charger, you can charge the battery during the day while you're away with the iPad. And and then you can do USB-C direct to the iPad Pro to charge it, but it's also got two USB-A ports in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really nice charger. Um, I also have the half size of this. It's like, I think, 10 or 12,000 milliamp hours. And that's what I think of as the Disneyland battery. You know, we go to Disneyland for a day. I've always got my kids or somebody with me or, or friends from out of town, they never really think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird. You go to Disneyland and you go to the bathroom, right? Cause there's like no plugs in Disneyland and you'll see somebody like sitting on 
the count the sink counter with their phone plugged in oh no to the to the <laughs> one socket they could find in Disneyland yeah and i'm just like man you you spent like over you know a 100 dollars to be here today mhm and you're staying in the smelly bathroom to charge your battery. That's just not good. Buy a battery. <laughs> I feel like I need a subscription plan for the smaller size, though, because the uh, they just disappear on me. You know, my ki- my kids take them. My wife takes them. I don't know if I should say that out loud. I don't want to get in trouble. But sometimes they just disappear. Mm-hmm. And then I do. I have been known to give them away. We had a really close family friend heading off to a foreign exchange program in in Paris. And we, he came over the night before. I'm like, you got a battery, right? And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, just, I went upstairs, cut my battery. I said, just take this with you. Yeah. <laughs> and when he got back, he, uh, he told me that was like the best thing he had on the whole trip. You, mm-hmm. know? Uh, you, you do need these, um, these batteries, even if you do have the super new iPhone. I think it's just helpful to have one along with you. I would pair it. There's a pairing for this um, with some of those Nomad cables. Nomad makes these great cables that have USB-C, micro USB, and um, lightning on the end. Yeah, and I've got one. There's cheap ones and there's good ones, you know, and the Nomad ones, it's a brand I trust. So I, I use the Nomad one and I've got a short one and a long one, but usually I just take the short one with me. So you go to Disneyland, throw the half-size battery and the Nomad cable in your bag and whoever on the trip runs out of battery or whatever device it is, you can give them a charge. Mm-hmm. Even an Android device. I have this this uh, battery has been known to charge Android devices as well. We're all brothers and sisters on the same planet. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I would say too the the portable battery thing. It is a gr- and we're coming up. The holidays aren't that far away, and we're going to do a holiday gift guide. But this is one that I have given to family members, just like you yeah. know, like a, a smaller one. I always get thank yous for that. Sometimes like years later, like, oh, that phone you gave me last Christmas totally saved my bacon. You know, it's yeah. it's just a handy thing to have. So it's it's one that I uh, – something I definitely recommend that people uh, people check out. Yeah. I'm putting just the the Anchor portable charger page in the show notes because they yeah. they have so many different options. Um, I really like their stuff. I think they're a, a good brand to go to. Yeah. The reason I buy them is, is like I know they're reputable. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff on Amazon, you know, it's battery. So, you know, batteries can catch on fire if they're not done right. And I've just come to trust Anchor over the years. So I just buy theirs. I know that there are other reputable brands, too. And, and people like those as well. You can talk about those in the forum if you want. But because I have one that I know and trust, that's one I go with. And the other thing Anchor does with all their modern batteries is they have some mechanism on it to see how much charge is in it, which is great. You know, you press a button or something and, and there's some LED lights. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know when I leave, is it full or not? Just for completeness sake, they have a $500 generator. with four usb ports a regular 110 outlet 12 volt out uh so if you need maximum power 500 bucks will get it we had that thing i don't know if you it made the national news but in california right you know it's wildfire season august is or october is the worst because we haven't had rain in a long time and everything is super dry so and it gets windy so the power companies have been selectively turning off power in areas where they're worried about power lines starting a fire right and every, everybody's losing their mind. It, but my house, we got a warning that we might get turned off, but we never did. But between my UPS and my anchor batteries, I knew I could get by for quite a while. 
What about the battery cases, you know, where you put the case on that's got the battery built in? Sure. I had one for my iPhone XS. Again, yeah. only using it while I traveled. Yeah. The 11 Pro has spectacular battery life. There is not currently uh, a battery case for the new phones, although I think it has been rumored that they would be uh, coming out at some point. And even with the 11 Pro's additional battery life, I would probably pick one up Again, just for days that I travel, I have this this funny thing because where I live in Memphis, anywhere I go in the country for work, unless it's Chicago, I have to, a connecting flight because like we just don't have a very busy airport. Yeah, and that means like days I I go to California or the East Coast or something for work, it is very often a ten or twelve hour day, you know, or longer on flights and air and airplanes, you know, getting a car, all that stuff, and. I don't want to be without my phone during those times. And so if the battery case comes out for the 11 Pro, I'll pick one up just for those uh, those instances. What about you? Were you ever a battery case guy? I was a long time ago and then got tired of it because, you know, you get a new phone and then the battery case doesn't work anymore. Right. I did get one, though, for the 10s. And the reason was because Daisy and I had the identical phone. And she would have these days at work that were really long sometimes. And I would have travel. So we had this like community battery case and we would just switch it, you know, whoever had an important event and would need it. Uh, so I uh, I had one for that phone. I don't think I'm going to buy one for this phone, though. Honestly, I'll just bring the charger and the cable. Hmm. It's just it's just this phone, you know, like for a lot of my travel days, it's a it's one flight and. A lot of the flights, you know, I take my phone out of my pocket anyway. I can charge it in the glove box. I just don't think I need need it anymore. So I'm probably going to take a pass this time. Uh, there, there are third-party battery cases. Normally, they don't come out very quickly because there's a lot of work to do to make the phones fit and everything. Again, you want to look at a reputable brand, look at reviews. Uh, don't buy the cheapest thing on Amazon, I would say, when it comes to power stuff. You know, find something that is yeah. a brand that you recognize and uh, you should be okay. In addition to batteries, I think a separate problem that comes up from from having all these devices is charging them, you know, even when you have a plug. And while Apple, you know, good on them for increasing the charger size with the new iPhone Pro, but I believe the iPhone 11 non-pro still comes with a dinky five it does you know good on them kind of (laughs) but the uh but it's also a lot to carry when you travel and uh, we've been talking on this show for years about these multi-chargers where it uses one plug in the wall and it's got somewhere between four and six usb or usb-c or whatever ports on the end I just love these things. I have a whole collection of them at this point because every couple of years I get another one. Uh, like I got, I got one when the USB-C port came out. I got one with those. So I've got them all over the house. I've got them strategically placed. Yeah, I use one actually behind my nightstand uh, for, yeah, the, for my too. bedstand charger that uh, I'm going to talk about. Uh, the one I have, again, is from Anchor. And its trick is that it has USB-C power delivery, which is like a, a sort of a side topic where power delivery over USB-C means it can fast charge an iPad or it can charge a MacBook Pro, kind of in the Apple world. Yeah. Not all USB-C ports are USB-C power delivery. So like there's, you know, some fine print to read. Uh, the Anchor one I have has a USB-C power delivery and then four USB-A ports. 
Uh, so I have like a USB-C cable usually for my iPad, but I can swap in a USB-C to lightning cable and fast charge my iPhone. And then for the USB ports, and I usually, you know, lightning cables and a watch cable. Uh, the trick here for me is though, I have one of these that is set up with the cables, like in a, I guess like a half gallon Ziploc bag in the closet. Yeah. And so when I travel, I get that. And so I don't have to rob cables from somewhere else in the house. You know, it's a, this thing's 50 bucks. It's not necessarily cheap and I have all the cables, but I travel enough now where I just want to like pick it up and go. And this thing is like ready to go at a moment's notice. One to go and one to show. I've got more. I've got, I've also got one uh, Velc or actually uh, gaff taped to the bottom of my computer desk. And then I just run some power cables out of it into that little drawer that we talked about on a, when we talked about our setups. Mm -hmm. And then like I've got one in the travel bag as well, but I also put one downstairs. So when all the teenagers convene at the Sparks house, because uh, teenagers have a rule that their phones can never be charged above 15%. <laughs> so I, I have it down there with cables and they come over to watch a movie and you'll see, you'll, you'll see like five phones plugged into it at once. They're really handy. There's a new device that I'm kind of interested in uh, made by Elevation. It's, they've got a new uh, cable device. It's like one of these travel chargers. It comes with the brick that you plug in, but on the other end is this multi-cable. So it's got all of the cables built in, the charging cables built in. Oh, yeah. Look at this. It's a really clever idea. It's got USB-C, too. I'm, I'm tempted to get one, but they're like $70. I'm not sure if I, I can afford it. Uh, but I was thinking that would be really nice even for downstairs, too, because the problem with the teenagers is then the cables slowly disappear. Yeah. The, so this thing has USB-C, micro USB, and then three lightning. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. I would hope that... They could change out the core to say if, if lightning goes away and USB-C takes over, which I want, by the way, I want USB-C everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but this is cool. In our kitchen, I have one of the, I don't know, it's like a 15 or 18 watt Apple charger, whatever came with the iPads uh, previously. And then I have one of the cables you mentioned earlier that's USB on one end. The other end is micro USB, lightning, and USB-C. And you swap out the tips. And that's great, but it means I can only charge one thing at a time but in the kitchen like anybody could charge anything which is handy but this thing looks pretty cool yeah it does you know on that point of lightning getting replaced i have a contrary opinion to most of the nerds i, I think that apple is not going to replace lightning anytime for a long time i i could because normal people are going to lose their minds if they have to get new cables for their phone yeah I see it both ways. I think there are benefits to going to USB-C, but I don't know if it is enough of a benefit to to totally turn everything on its head. As happy as it would make you and me to only have to pack one kind of cable when we travel and only just basically remove lightning cables from our lives, mm -hmm. it would make a bunch of people, a lot more people insane. That's my uh, theory. They probably remember when they went from the 30 pin to lightning, it was like superior in every way. Oh, yeah. And every article on the internet said Apple changed it, so you'll have to buy their cables. They're trying to rip you off. Yeah. I mean, the, and I think they probably learned some lessons from that. And, and I think if they don't do it anytime soon, that'll be why. Something that is of relevance now that wasn't last year for me is uh, portable watch charging. You know, I'm suddenly more aware of my watch battery. Hmm. The, um, yeah. Last night we were at a, an event for my daughter and 
my watch got down to 10%. And it's like, that just never happened with the number four. Granted, I was up at five, I did a workout. And so I, I ran it all day, but you know, I just, I don't like having to think about battery again on the watch. So do you have something that you are using for that? No, I don't. I, I, I was thinking I may just toss a watch charging cable in the car. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was talking to Zach Hall over at 9to5Mac. Him and I uh, frequently have um, uh, Apple um, workout challenges against each other. <laughs> so, nice. So we have, oh, he's a beast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I beat him, though. I, I got real lucky. I... Uh, Anyway, it's a long story. You don't want to hear it. I, I guessed it on his watch show. So if you, I'll put a link in the show notes, but we had a, uh, we had a very heated competition, but the, uh, so, but we were talking about, it and he moved his devices up to the, I believe 6.1 beta. I'm sorry, 13.1 beta, 6.1. Well, that's pretty old, but the, uh, he says it got better with that, but I don't want to get on the beta train again. I feel like I just got off it. Yeah, I'm the same way. So this may be a temporary thing, but I I am definitely more aware of my watch battery now than I have been in the past. Some some battery banks have like a little Apple Watch charging puck built into them. Yeah. I don't think Anchor offers anything that does that, but there are brands that do, so that you know that could be a uh, an option as well. Yeah. I'm going to wait till 6.1 if it's still not to my satisfaction, I'm going to have to figure something out. Because, like, when I travel, I do want my watch to work all day, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's got to. Rounding this out, I want to mention wireless charging. Sure. You know, the you get a little pad, you put on your desk, you charge. I know you've talked about in the past you have one built into your desk. And I use a couple. So I have the, the Mophie one they just sell in the Apple store. I have one of those on my desk, just kind of in the corner out of the way. But then in my bedroom on my bedstand, I have one by... Our friends at Studio Neat, the Material Dock. Material Dock comes in a bunch of different form factors. You can have just wireless. I have one that has a wireless pad and a spot for the Apple Watch and just a lightning port, which I often use for my AirPods, drop my AirPods on there. They have a couple different uh, variations. I like wireless charging a lot. It is not as fast as using a cable. So if you're stuck somewhere like even if i'm at home and say we've been out all day and we're getting ready to go out for the evening and i need to top something up i'll reach for a cable because i can do it faster but overnight or just here in my office it's totally fast enough and i like that i don't have you know a cable that can get dropped behind the desk or behind the nightstand and the material dock kind of all the cables come out together and i'm running them into one of those anchor multi-chargers we talked about it's just a nice option The, the material dock is expensive Dan and Tom are friends of mine, and uh, I was happy to spend, to spend the money to support them and get something that I really like the way it looks. But there are a lot of cheaper options out there, too, uh, if you want some sort of combination thing. But uh, I really like the wireless charging. I know some people aren't comfortable with it or it doesn't work for them for whatever reason. Like if you use a pop socket, uh, it's not necessarily compatible because of the distance it adds. But I've really come to like it over the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's just, I realize it's just removing the little step of plugging in the cord, but that just makes a huge difference for a lot of your context. Like they have the ones that are uh, a vertical stand where you can set your phone in so you can see the phone. Mm-hmm. And if you go to, if you're sitting at a desk all day, I recommend getting one of those and you just rest your phone in there. Notifications come in, you can see them. Um, I have one like that on my nightstand as well. That's the thing that uses the micro USB that I forgot to plug in last night. Uh, the one you were referencing that I put on my desk, I'm going to put in the show notes. It's a, um, 
it's not built into my desk. It's just an aftermarket thing you buy. But if you've got one of those uh, holes in your desk for cables, you know, everybody's got the that pre-drilled hole in a lot of desktops. And it's usually got like a little plate on top of it where you can route cables through the hole. Well, this is a charger that's made to fit in that hole. So you just drop it in. And then there's a cable coming underneath it that I plug into one of those anchor chargers. Mm -hmm. And then, so when I'm sitting at my desk, I can just lay my phone on top of that and it, it's charging and I can pick it up. I actually don't like my phone vertical on my desk because I don't want to, I don't want to look at notifications and stuff. I want to focus on what I'm doing on the screen. Yeah, but, same. But the, um, but it's great, you know, and they're just everywhere. I have a um, LED light on my writing desk. It's just like an LED light I bought off Amazon for like 50 bucks that was well-reviewed somewhere. And, but I just need it when I'm writing. Sometimes I need more light. And I was looking at the other day and there's a circle right underneath the switch. And I'm like, huh. So I put my phone on it and it started charging. <laughs> you <know>? So <laughs> these things are everywhere. And I, uh, I definitely am a fan. Yeah, it's it's really handy, and if you're just in a hurry and need to drop something off, it's a uh, quick to fix. You know, just put it on there and you're good. But if you're behind, like if you get if you need to leave in 30 minutes and your phone needs a real charge, plug it in. You know, but yes. But the amount of times I plug my phone in are maybe once every three or four weeks. The most frequent place I plug a phone in is in the car, which we're going to talk about in a little while. Yeah, yeah, me too. But that's kind of in my mind different. <laughs> This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password, uh, the app and system that I use and trust to keep all of my passwords safe and sound on whatever device I'm on. But it's, for me, it's far more than just password because 1Password can store all sorts of things. It can store serial numbers for applications. So if you're buying an app outside the Mac App Store and it comes with a serial number, just drop it into 1Password and you'll have it next time you need it. Uh, things like bank account information and credit cards and even secure notes. Uh, and with this stuff, you can upload files into 1Password. So for instance, I have a secure note that's just named uh, Stephen's Will, and I have a PDF of my will saved in 1Password. And what's really cool about 1Password is you can set up this uh, system. So if something happens to you, someone else can log into it, like your spouse or significant other or parent or somebody, and they have access to your stuff. Uh, speaking of spouse, I want to talk about 1Password for families. This has totally changed security in the Hackett household. We signed up for it a few years ago when it came out, and my wife and I can share passwords between us. So things like the utility company and the bank and maybe some stuff for the school, that can all be in a shared vault that we both have access to. But then we also have our own personal vaults as well. She doesn't necessarily want uh, all of my passwords for things like my Twitter account or, you know, my Gmail account, things like that, cluttering up her one password experience. So we can have separate passwords as well. It's really easy. You know, as our kids get older, I could add them, have a vault just shared with the kids. It's really great to uh, to manage this stuff within a household and really important and uh, more important now than ever. And with 1Password 7.4, it is ready for iOS 13 with things like dark mode, support for the new document system, and David's favorite voice control. Yeah, you know what I'd add to that, Stephen, is that the nice thing about the, the families is it's actually usable to non-nerd family members. Mm -hmm. My wife, on our family account, she's totally into it. I think she, she tries to sell 1Password to every person she meets because she understands how useful it is. And she can do it, you know, even though she's not super into all the geeky stuff we talk about on Mac Power Users. That's right. It's it's same thing here. <laughs> it's great. Go check it out. Learn more at onepassword.com slash MPU. 
and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial there. And when you do sign up, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that's onepassword.com slash MPU for 20% off. Our thanks to 1Password for their support of the show. I want to talk about one of my favorite things to do with my iPhone, and that's taking pictures. Yes. And I like... I really like gearing up my phone for taking pictures. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've gone down several rabbit holes. Uh, I, at one point, I owned a DX1, which was a uh, um, was a device that plugged in through the lightning port. It was a lens system. It was a lens in a little like wart thing you plugged on the end of your phone, oh, and it took yeah. pictures. I remember that you had that at XOXO one year. Oh yeah, it's great. I loved it, it w- because it, it was such an improvement over the native camera system. You know, several years ago. Um, I gave it to a friend that has an older iPhone because I don't think it's really that much of an improvement over modern iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've caught up in a, in a way. Yeah, they have. And, you know, but it was just, it was great, but I, I've bought a series of things over the years. I think the beginning point though, if you want to get into photography with your iPhone is to consider the camera connection kit. Yeah, so this is a dongle. There's a, a lightning version uh, that supports USB 3 transfer speeds. And so one end is lightning. The other end is uh, USB. So you can plug in a camera. They also have an SD card reader that you can pick up uh, if you just want to take the SD card out of your camera. But most cameras support this just over USB. I know mine certainly does. Yeah. And it lets you bring photos in from a camera over, uh, over lightning right into the Photos app. Yeah. And you find uses for this even outside of photos. But if you have a camera with an SD card, this is almost a must have, I think. Yeah. You know, my I've got two Sony cameras and they both have, you know, an app you can put on your phone and you set up a wireless network and you can transfer stuff over. And I'm a reasonably smart guy, but I've never gotten that to work successfully. Like it's always buggy. It'll start transferring and then fail. Part of it is I shoot in RAW, so I get really big images. Yes. And so I just gave up on that. And if yeah. I want to bring stuff straight into iOS, I always reach for uh, for one of these adapters. Yeah. For, uh, with my Sony camera, it's the same thing. I can get it to work, but it, it just is very slow and it's very tedious to get it going. I mean, the idea behind it was, oh, you could take a picture of your camera and then post it to Instagram. Well, you could if you stopped for ten minutes. Yeah, you know, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's exactly. Just, you know, it's just not going to work. Um, but so, uh, but I do want to talk about lens systems because this is a rabbit hole I've gone down over the years with the various iPhones. And I used to buy, I think it was the Allo clips, the ones that would clip on. They had oh, yeah. like a thing, but they had to be the exact thickness, and you like you couldn't use a case, or you had to get the Allo case, and and then. Just like the batteries, as soon as you got a new phone, then all your lenses were obsolete and didn't work anymore. Um, so several years ago, I stumbled into these Moment lenses, and that's a company on the internet. We'll put the the link in the show notes. It's showmoment.com is their main website. But they really, I think, have nailed getting good quality lenses and a, and a system that can work for iPhone users. And so they've got a, a variety of lens sizes. They've got a wide which is very similar to the new um, Apple, the iPhone 11 wide lens. They've got a Superfish that's even wider. I mean, it's crazy how wide that thing is. And then they've got a 2X, which is frankly pretty similar to the the zoom lens in the current iPhones. But then they've also got a macro and an anamorphic lens. And the anamorphic lens is super interesting. That That's one that I keep looking at. A couple times I've put it in my cart, but I've never pulled the trigger on it because I'm too cheap. 
but the uh the anamorphic lens is like for shooting video it, it puts the black uh, bars across the top and bottom and it like does lens flares on light if you shoot a lot of video i think it could be a lot of fun to play with that lens mm -hmm. but the good news is the way you buy these lenses and you're not stuck with the lens when you change your phone. It, you don't lose the lens. You buy a case to go with it. And memory serves, it was like $30. And you get the case, and it's got like a, a proprietary screw right over, placed right over the camera lens in the iPhone. So you just screw these lenses on top of the iPhone lens, and they work great. Um, I went and looked it up right before we started recording the show. Now they're like 20 bucks to get one for the iPhone 11. So for $20, I'll be able to use my, my uh, Superfish and my, my, um, my, um, you know, my uh, macro lenses with my new phone for just 20 bucks. And then I can just bring the lenses over. So I think it's a good investment if you want to do these lens systems. And something I've always loved about iPhone photography, in fact, this is a theme through this segment of the show, is I love the idea of having great camera gear in my pocket, mm -hmm. you know, without carrying a camera bag. Or like if I have a small pouch, I still have great camera gear. And if you just put one of these cases on your phone and stick a couple of these lenses in your pocket, you've got all these additional options you didn't have before. It's really cool. And I think they finally figured out their system Again, where you have the case and you have the lenses that are separate because I went through several auto clips over the years and I sort of got burned out on it. It's like I'm having to replace this every couple of years. But with Moment, you can make an investment that's going to stick around for a long time, which I appreciate. And I think it's better glass, too. Honestly, it's just they, they take great pictures. When we were in Europe, I was using that Superfish in some of the cathedrals where you walk right up to that stained glass and then I just screw on the Superfish lens. And I got these amazing pictures um, with my phone. It was great. It's super cool. And like you said, you can just keep it in your pocket. You know, camera gear is bulky and heavy, and you don't want to lug it with you. In fact, on this trip, I didn't actually didn't even take like one of my full blown Sony cameras because uh, I didn't want to take the bulk. So it was uh, it was just the iPhone for me. But you also need to get that phone on a tripod. Yeah, I think so. And especially with the night mode, it, it unlocks longer exposure times. Yeah. Uh, so th there are a bunch of tripod options, but I think the most, one of the most important things is how you connect the phone to the tripod itself. And I really recommend the Glyph. Again, it's from Studio Neat. Uh, it is this little uh, clever design where you... Uh, put the phone in it. And like the Moment stuff, it's sort of agnostic to what phone you have because it's spring-loaded. So it'll hold basically any size phone recently yeah, uh, in a case, out of a case. And then it has um, threads so you can mount it to a, a tripod. And they have a little system too with a hand grip and stuff that you can use. But I have put my phone in this and stuck it on big tripods, stuck it on tiny desk tripods. It's uh, It's really fantastic. Yeah, and it's got multiple mounting points. And there's a bunch of these different, you know, connect my phone to a tripod things. If you go on Amazon, there are a lot of them. Uh, I, I will endorse the Glyph as well because it's the way it locks. It's got like a ratchet on it. So once you get it to the right width for your phone and you like lock it down, it, it audibly snaps in place. It's very satisfying. It is. It doesn't damage your phone, but your phone is not coming out of there. Mm -mm. Whereas some of the ones that are just like the spring-loaded without any kind of lock, 
I, I always worry you're going to put it on there and it's going to like the phone's going to tumble out into the ocean or something. Yeah, because yeah, I've used the glyph on like boats and you know, things where, you know, if the phone falls out of there, my next step is to go to the Apple store to get a new phone. You know? Right. And, the, um, <laughs> and so it's a, it's a great device and you can just count on it. One of the things I'd recommend when you get the Glyph, they have a, an additional package. Like you pay a little extra and they have a wooden handle for it. Mm-hmm. I love that wooden handle. So I bought it on a whim. You know, it's same thing. I'm friends with the guys. So I guess you can say we're biased. We're friends with the people that make this stuff, but I'm like, I want to support them. But I also know they make really quality stuff. And so they have this wooden handle with a strap on it, but I use that so much. Uh, like, like if I want to shoot video in Disneyland, uh, you know, of course Disneyland's going to come up when we talk about photography or me. But the, uh, yeah, I just the handle fits in my bag. I can screw it on and walk down the street. And I'm going to argue with you later about whether you need a gimbal once you have that setup. Um, yeah. So it's just it's great, and uh, that's something I'd recommend. But you also need to attach it to a tripod. And uh, Stephen and I have a couple tripods that we like. Yeah, the the one that I use most often, it's super tiny. It's a little desktop tripod by Manfrotto, and it is it's got a, a shoulder ball and shoulder mount, so you can change the angle. The reason I ended up using this one, and I do, I have like a big expensive Manfrotto tripod. It's not even worth like talking about. It. It's like pro equipment. It's not really an iOS accessory. Yeah. I put my iPhone on that too. But this one is useful because you can put your phone almost anywhere. So I've I've put it on top of a cabinet in my office to do uh, stop motion stuff before or time lapse stuff. Uh, I've used it all sorts of weird places just because it's it's handy and small. And the glyph just screws right onto it because that's a, a a universal thread mount deal. So you can basically screw anything into anything. And uh, I think this actually came maybe with my big tripod. It's like twenty five bucks on its own. And the legs fold down in a way where it makes a nice handle. So I've also used it just as a handle before, like you mentioned, the Studio Neat wooden one. I um, I have a couple tripods that I like to use with my phone. The first one is the smallest tripod I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it makes the one that I'm putting in the notes look enormous. It's like five of these could fit in yours. The, um, mm-hmm. It's made by Joby. The same people make Gorillapod. It's called a micro tripod. And... It's about it's about as big as like two knuckles on my index finger. <laughs> it's so small, um, but it's uh, it's really well made and it unfolds to a small tripod. I think it's got about a six inch diameter once you set it down, but it totally holds an iPhone in a glyph and you can set it down on anything. Like I often like find myself putting it on trash cans or, you know, just anywhere I go and I want to take a picture and just lock the camera down. And the beauty of this thing is it can fit in my pocket with a glyph and an iPhone. Like I can get in one jeans pocket everything I need for night photography. Mm-hmm. And it's it's great. They're expensive. They're like 50 bucks. And it's like I have a treasured place. I keep it because I spent so much money on it. And I feel like I could lose this stick of gum tripod so easily. <laughs> <laughs> but the... Uh, but man, I uh, I really am happy with this purchase, and I I use it all the time. There's also a whole sort of scene called Gorilla Pods. That's yeah. actually the name brand by a company named uh, Joby, which makes really nice camera stuff. Yeah, and you've seen them. It's like a bendy tripod. You can wrap it around a log or you know on a staircase or something. Uh, I have one of the the name brand ones. Again, mine has a, a ball and shoulder mount, so you can you can change the angle. You can screw a glyph onto it. 
Uh, but this is one that I definitely recommend the name brand, and I thought that already. And then I see David in the show notes that you have uh, some regrets about this. Oh yeah, we were going on a trip, and I was looking at the Gorilla Pod was like thirty, and then there was a generic one for like twenty. And I'm like, oh, I could save ten dollars. I mean, what could be different? Well, I found out, and of course, when I got on the trip, it was a long trip. It was when we went to Europe, and I, I didn't have time to return it, so I'm stuck with this stupid tripod where the you know the the articulating joints got loose after like a week. Oh no. So you can't use it for what it was made for. But the worst part of it is the um the screw where you screw the glyph or the camera on it mm-hmm. has like wobble in it. It does it's not locked into the device. So Ugh. it's just like I I threw it away. I didn't even bring it home. But the uh yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah. One, it, one other tripod I'd recommend is the Pedco, P-E-D-C-O, Ultrapod 2. And um, I've had that one for years, but it's, again, a small tripod, but it has a Velcro strap on it. And it's really great for, like, Velcroing the tripod to, like, a gate post or something. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, and they're only, like, 15 bucks. They're They're very cheap. Yeah, there are a lot of good options out there, and it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you... Uh, we're not even getting into because we don't use them, but there are suction cup mounts and you can stick stick an iPhone to the outside of a, a moving vehicle or on the side of something. There's lots of options uh, out there to to mount uh, a phone basically to anything, it seems like. Yeah. Well, the downside of this micro one is there it doesn't like you can't strap it to a fence post or hang it from a tree branch. But for most of the tripod stuff I do, I don't need to do that. And honestly, right. if, I, if I was listening to this and saying, okay, I want to get a tripod for my my phone, especially with this new night mode, I would get this micro tripod and one of those glyph um, holders mm-hmm. and you're good. You're yep. good. And it's like anywhere you go that fits in your pocket, you go to a family event, you want to set up the phone on a tripod. There's always some flat surface you can use. All right. I think that I think they've got the tripod mounting issues yeah. uh, squared <laughs> away, but we do need to talk about this this gimbal situation. So yeah. Yeah. So you have a gimbal. Tell me about it. I do. So I have the DJI Osmo mobile three. And if you're not familiar with a gimbal, basically you put your camera in this case, an iPhone into it and you balance it, which can be kind of a pain, but then you have a couple of, of options. You can use it as a steady cam. So as you walk it, uh, kind of self levels and, and the iPhone does all that with its own image stabilization, uh, but a gimbal can can even out even more. Some people have said that if you use a gimbal with a phone with image stabilization, you run into issues where like the video is really jittery. I've never seen that, but if you see that, maybe that's what's going on. But the reason I like this one is that it does a lot more than just steady cam stuff. So you can set it up and you can program in, uh, you know, I want you to look in this direction over here to the left, and then over the course of two minutes, pan slowly over to the right. And then you shoot a time lapse on the phone and you get this really cool, like moving time lapse, like you may see on a TV show or something. And that's why I like this, not necessarily for the steady cam, because I don't think, I think honestly, for most things you could do, you could have a nice handle like the, like the studio neat one and walk smoothly. And it's pretty good, but I like that you can program movements into this. Now this is 120 bucks. 
I've used it only a few times. I think I don't I don't regret this purchase, but I'm not sure like if I lost it, I would go out and buy another one. Um, I used it for a couple of projects on my YouTube channel last year, and uh, it, it met my needs for for those uh, videos. And and now I have it as a tool in my toolbox when I need it. But it's not something that I think you have to rush out and get. Yeah, I feel I can't really give you grief about it because I also own a DJI Osmo a Pocket, which is a gimbal-mounted little camera that fits in your pocket. Yeah, I, and I, I think that is that's probably a better choice if you're looking for something like this because setting this up with the iPhone can be a little frustrating getting it balanced and kind of getting it all right where it needs to go. So if I were to yeah. start over, I would maybe look at buying the uh, – the Osmo Pocket, if I were going to use it often, but that, but they're also a lot more expensive. So you gotta you gotta really weigh in what you're gonna, how many, how often you're going to use it, how you're going to use it, and if there's cheaper ways to get done what you want to get done. Yeah, but but when you think about, it, they're more expensive, but they're so much less expensive than it used to be to get Steadicam. You know, it's just crazy, and it fits in your pocket. Once again, a theme. Uh, I do think that the in the software stabilization on the iPhone every year just gets so much better. And I'm starting to question, you know, even if I need this pocket, my daughters and I share it. So I, I'm probably not allowed to get rid of it. But <laughs> They may take it from you. Yeah, exactly. This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by OmniFocus, uh, the application I use to capture, manage and complete my tasks and projects. One of the things I love about using OmniFocus is the powerful review tools. And it's something I wanted to mention on today's show. With OmniFocus, you can assign a specific review frequency to each project. So for some active projects, I may set, set the frequency to like once a week. Like if I've got something super active on behalf of a client or I'm trying to finish a, a field guide that comes up for review every week. But for other less active projects, it may be four or six months. Like when I, I do a corporate representation for some companies and I don't need to check their project every week, but every four months they show up. And the beauty of that is you can customize the review frequency for your various projects so you don't get flooded with reviews, but only the ones you really need. It's, it's an ingenious system. And I, honestly, I don't know why other developers don't try and do it in their task management apps, because this is really super powerful. Um, this system builds an easy way for me to stay on top of my projects that may otherwise fall through the cracks. And the trick is at least once a week, I take a look at all the projects that are due for review. The way I really do it is, you know, at the end of the day, uh, OmniFocus gives me a flag to tell me, hey, there's a couple of projects that are due for review. And because I've got these frequencies set far enough apart, I never get hit with like 100. I only get hit with like three or four. And then I can have the focus and mental attention to properly review a project. It's just, like I said, it's one of my favorite features in the application. So once I take a look at the options and the projects, I'll find things that I can update, revise, or the best part is when I can kill a project. It's like Game of Thrones, but for projects. <laughs> and uh, every week, something must die, right? So uh, I love having these powerful review tools in my task manager, and it saved my bacon a lot of times. Over the years, the team at the Omni Group has made this feature even more powerful by propagating it to the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac. So you can do it on any device. I personally, I go for the iPad. That's where I like to do my reviews. But, you know, maybe you want to do it on your iPhone. Anyway, uh, OmniFocus, this has long been my weapon of choice for getting my tasks done. Review is just one of the many reasons why I love this application. And if you're using OmniFocus and you're not using Review, stop right now, take pause the podcast, check it out, 
and then start using it. And if you haven't tried OmniFocus, this is one reason that you should try. If you head over to theomnigroup.com, you can download a free trial so you can see what I mean and uh, and check it out. They're a great group of people, longtime sponsors of the Mac Power users, making excellent software. Thanks, OmniFocus, for all of your support. So we spoke a lot about photography, but its cousin is making movies, making video, and you have some suggestions for people. Yeah, you know, I, I got serious because I've been, I have a YouTube channel. You know, I say that in air quotes because I only post to it once or twice a month. <laughs> You're more frequent than I am. <laughs> yeah, well, depends, right? But they, but I wanted to get a little better at it. And I do have a fancy camera that I, like all the stuff of my face usually is through the fancy camera. But I wanted to do B-roll and, and started to get better at this stuff. And I realized, hey, you know, the iPhone video is really good. Maybe I should be using that as like a second camera. So I wanted to to go a little deeper on it. Um, a couple things I did. Uh, one was, I think I saw this on a YouTube ad. You know, of course, they know their audience. But there's a thing on Amazon. It's called the Movie Maker Kit. It seems It's almost, I think, something made for kids. <laughs> but I'll put a link in the show notes. It's not very expensive, but it's got a little motorized platform that you can mount like a glyph on it. And it's got a track, so you can put the little motor on the track if you want it to go in a straight line. But also, you can like angle the wheel, so it goes in a, in a semicircle. And it's just a really nice, I mean, it's not really nice. It's an inexpensive and useful little device to get nice slow panning shots. Like occasionally Steven gets videos from me of like a pan of my keyboard or something. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's, I just do it with this thing and it's great. It's like, so just imagine putting your phone, like let's say you're a foodie and you put this thing in your purse or your, in your bag and you go to a restaurant and you get some really nice food. What's something, what's, what's your favorite food, Steven? Oh, I don't know. I like tacos a lot. All right. So you get some really good tacos and then you just pull this thing out of your bag. You quickly put your, your phone on it and you do like one of those pan shots across the plate, looking down at your tacos. Mm, now I'm hungry. And then you post, you post that to Instagram. You're like a, you're like an Instagram rock star, but Ta taco influencer. I use it. Like sometimes when I do videos on vi uh, reviews of products on my YouTube channel, if you see like a little pan shot over the product or something, that's what I do this with. But it's really fun to play with. And once again, I have a family where my kids are both into video too. So we all find reasons to use it. And you can buy like these rack mounted rigs for like real cameras that are hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And or thousands. But this is really inexpensive. And it, like I said, it fits in your bag and it's kind of fun. Yeah, I have this huge slider that like I don't want to take anywhere because it's massive that I mount my Sony to. But this seems like a great portable smaller cheaper option yeah and th that will this this movie maker hit that device will never carry your sony camera it would probably just like tip over yeah you know? it doesn't look like it could take the weight but for a phone that still has a great you know video camera built into it it's just fine another thing i've been trying to do with my videos get better lighting and i bought a couple uh, loom cube which i bought one of their original things off kickstarter but they came out with a new one called the loom cube air and it's it's got a built-in magnet and it's great. So you can, these are little LED lights that fit in your pocket once again. And like if you're going to the theme park or if you're going to the beach, you can pull it out. And if you want, you can have someone on the side hold it. So you've got like, you've got controllable lighting on your subject. So like when we take pictures of the family at the, you know, at when we go out, I may have another family member just hold this light off camera mm. and it gives me all the stuff I can do with it. That's cool. Yes. 
I mean, again, I've got a lighting kit, but it's not nearly that flexible or portable. This is really neat. Yeah, you can get a couple of them, and they've got tripod mounts on them. Ooh. So like you can you can mount it on the glyph if you want, or like I know these. Um, a lot of people use these to mount on their um, on their drones because they're so light. You can mount it on a drone. It's just they're great, and it fits in your pocket, and it just gives you an additional light source. You know, because that front on light, even with as much as Apple tries to make it better, it's still terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, that like nuclear blast light you get when you try and take a picture. Right. So you just take this thing off to the side. You often you, I even do it. I'll hold the phone in my left hand and then I'll just hold my right hand off like two or three feet, just stretch my arm out and I'll use that to light a subject and it takes a good picture. So um, it's, you know, you can charge it up. It's got a battery built in it and it fits in my jeans. I, I think my whole photography rig can fit in my jeans. <laughs> I like that you have your priority straight. Yeah, there, there we go. Um, and then another thing I, I listed, I have not purchased one of these. I've been asking around, you know, what if I want to get better audio? And everybody seems to think that the Rode Micro yeah. is a good one. You know, the the thing that I think the, actually the iPhone does a pretty good job of capturing audio when you shoot video, but the Rode Micro gives you directional audio. So if you are out and there's a lot of side noise or back noise, this would be good. Rode makes really good stuff. I have this microphone's much bigger brother, and it does a great job. And I, I can see, especially if you're filming someplace where there's a lot of background noise, something directional is going to do a better job at getting rid of that than even the iPhone, which has multiple microphones and puts in some noise-canceling stuff. I just don't think you can beat a purely directional microphone when it comes to like a, a bunch of background noise. Yeah. So again, using you as an example... If you want to be filmed standing in front of the Millennium Falcon and we'll want to be able to hear yes. you, yes. this yeah, this is a yes. pretty good way of doing <laughs> it. And what's cool is you can mount all this stuff as sort of into a single rig. Like we keep talking about the glyph. It has multiple points on it that you can screw things into. So you could build like a whole rig and you know, that probably wouldn't fit in your pocket at that point, but it'd fit in a bag and you can assemble it and be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it. you can really get fairly decent production values out of these devices. I mean, what, one of the first things Apple did, and they do this every year, but when they released the iPhone 11, they gave it to some directors and they made some movies with the iPhone. It's uh, it's wild. I mean, the first iPhone didn't even, cu- it couldn't even shoot video, right? <laughs> do you remember yeah. like that wasn't there uh, in the beginning? Yeah. And then it was a huge deal when they added it with uh, a later phone, and they added ten, you know, 1080, and now we shoot 4K front and back cameras. It's it's spectacular, and it's one of those things that there are a lot of other smartphones that do a, a really good job at photography, like the the Google Pixel, for instance. But its video just can't compete. And Apple is just way far ahead. Yeah, I know this isn't the iPhone 11 show, but one feature that I love so much with the camera on the iPhone 11 Pro is the ability to do uh, the portrait mode with the 1X lens. It's neat. Have you tried this? Uh, I have. I like the look a lot better than using the the telephoto. Yeah, and because traditionally portrait mode required you to stand back because it was using the telephoto as a primary lens. Though, but now you can have it use the standard lens as primary, and you don't have to step back because it's the 1X. I think it takes better pictures. And the thing that drives me nuts is every time I open it up, it defaults to 2X. I, other than testing it with 2X, I've never shot 2X for this portrait mode. Come on, Apple. Yeah. 
Just leave it wherever I had it last time. Just leave it. Or let me ha- set the default, <laughs> right? Or default 1x. Let's just make it, you know, yeah. where it should be. Have you ever used the uh, the switch on your watch? Did you know you can? Uh, I know that it's there. I have not ever used it. Yeah, it's worth playing with. I've never like used it under fire. <laughs> you know, I've played with it, but I don't know. The, the problem with that is what are you going to be doing? Like looking at your watch to push the button while you're in the picture? I don't, you know, how's that going to work? <laughs> All right, let's get over to the cars. That sa- sounds good. Because you've, you've been posting, and I want to hear about your car. Yeah, so this was uh, one of those deals where I was prepping for the show, and I realized that I had not written a blog post that I thought I had written. And then I looked and realized that I had thought I'd written it for a year. So I uh, I installed a, a Sony head unit. I drive a, a Tacoma pickup truck, and the it's a little bit older, and the head unit that was in it was really bad. And now it had Bluetooth and like it, it, I mean, I could hook my phone up to it, but the interface was really bad. It was really slow to do anything. It was a really bad touchscreen. And the truck is old enough where I could put in a CarPlay unit pretty in a pretty straightforward fashion. You know, modern, a lot of modern cars, the radio is not a standard size. It's integrated with the the alarm system and the air conditioning and everything else. And and, and the generation to come, I have none of that's true. And so I did a bunch of homework. Yeah, I definitely recommend if you're going to go the route of installing a CarPlay head unit, check out Crutchfield. I'll put a link in the show notes. I don't I don't have any relationship with them, but I. Uh, have used them over the years for various projects. And you can go in and plug in exactly what car you have, what you want to do, and it will recommend a bunch of parts that all that they know they all work together. And so all the wiring harnesses I needed, I have a backup camera in the truck that works. I installed a microphone. I have the steering controls, steering wheel controls all work. Portfolio showed me everything I needed to buy, which is really great. So if I would start there. But I've really come to enjoy CarPlay, and the install wasn't too bad for me. But I've done this before. There's in the in my blog post on Five Twelve Pixels. There's uh, I, I chose the most graphic images I had of that day of like wiring spewing out of everything in my truck. Spaghetti. But yeah. if, even if you haven't done it before, you can watch a YouTube video. You can buy some tools. As as long as you're methodical, you'll get it done. Um, but you can pay somebody as well. There's no shame in that at all. Take it to a shop and have them do it. Uh, but I really like CarPlay. In, in Tennessee, it is state law that you you cannot have your hand on your phone, even at a red light. Of course, we all know we shouldn't do that anyways from a safety perspective. But CarPlay makes that actually really easy because you can see iMessages, you can get directions, control, music, and podcast. Uh, you have Siri there. With I, this, These photos are so old. This is, I think, iOS the iOS 12 beta maybe showing on this CarPlay screen. But iOS 13, you get calendar and settings as well on the CarPlay unit. And I honestly don't want to drive a car without CarPlay. In fact, this summer, we bought my wife uh, a new minivan, and that was on our list of requirements because she's used it in the truck and really likes it. And I don't want to drive a car without it. And so we ended up buying a minivan uh, that supported CarPlay. And it's been great. And I I really think it's a, a really like solid feature of iOS that doesn't get the love that it should. Yeah, I have a, I told a friend I was prepping the show and he's like, oh, I have the ultimate iPhone accessory. He bought a new car, you know, it was just like he rage bought a new car because he was so mad at the built-in entertainment system on his old car. I may be a little extreme, but I I get the set. I get the feeling. I'm sure there were other elements involved, (laughs) but, 
but they, I'm the kind, you know, whenever um, people listen to the show and I talk to like the significant other, they don't understand why, why do you buy these computers so often? Or I new iPhone every year or two. Um, I am that person when it comes to cars, like I buy a car, I drive it until the wheels fall mm-hmm. off. I don't, you know, it's like, I just don't want to buy a new car, but, uh, so I have a 2013 Ford fusion and it's got the rockin Microsoft sync Ford sync system in it. Oh yeah. You know, I, that's my dark secret. I have a Microsoft logo in my car, but I hated it. And it's like, I literally got the blue screen of death one day while I was driving down the freeway. <laughs> I got a BSOD, you know, and I, I wanted to take a picture, but I didn't want to get in an accident. So I just, you know, whatever, but the, uh, a listener, two or three years ago said, Hey, you got to check this website out. It's called 4d tech and 4d tech.com. And they make aftermarket units that run CarPlay for cars that have the problems you were talking about. Like the Ford sync system. I mean, it drove the whole car. I mean, that's how you control the air conditioning right. and every, you know, everything is tied into this. You can't just go buy a Sony and drop yeah. it in and slap that thing in. Right. You know, and this was expensive and, and the way it worked is they mail you all in. I was in like a thousand bucks to do this. Oh yeah, I know it was a lot of money, but then I got thinking, you know what? I'm going to drive this car for another 10 years. Am I going to be miserable for the whole time? And, and it was like, I waited until I had like a bonus come in and I'm like, okay, this is the gift I'm buying myself. So I, I bought it. I paid somebody to install it. And then I sent the old one back to them. I got some money back because they can sell the old head unit to, I don't know what they do with it. Maybe they convert it into another one. I don't know, but I've had it running now for two or three years. It's great. And it just works. And so I've got a cable in the, like the armrest, you know, mm-hmm. and I like that because, you know, I know that people are saying, well, it should be Bluetooth and connect to without having to plug it in. But the way this works, we have to plug it in and the phone goes in a place where I can't even see it when I'm driving. And I don't mind. It's great. I mean, it is such a better experience driving this car with CarPlay in it. Yeah, I uh, mine is wired as well, so I have a lightning cable. I was actually able to reuse the USB port in the dash, which I was really excited about. I didn't have to like <laughs> cut any holes in anything. You can do wireless CarPlay, but my thought on that is pretty simple. Anytime I'm in my car, I want to charge my phone. Yeah, and uh, and now now new cars. If you buy something new. A lot of those have wireless charging pads. So like that's nice, but mine doesn't. And I wasn't going to add that. And so wired CarPlay made a lot of sense for me because I, just, I have a lightning cable. I have uh, just, you know, it plugs into the dash and I can put my phone, plug my phone in. And what's cool about these systems is that it's not locked just to my phone. I think, I think people may not quite understand how CarPlay actually works. It is an extension of your phone, and so yeah, uh, your your settings on where the apps, what apps show up, where they are, that's not universal to the car. That is set up on your phone, and so I can drive my truck with CarPlay set up the way I want it. My wife gets in, she plugs in her iPhone eight. It's how she has it set up. My one complaint is those settings don't cross vehicles. So now we have two cars with CarPlay, and we bought the van. I had to set up CarPlay the way I wanted it with the icons where I wanted it when I got in her van for the first time. So now they match like overcast is in the same place and that sort of thing. But once you do that, it just saves it and it's really sweet. And my Sony actually also supports Android Auto. So my brother-in-law takes my truck for the weekend to move some stuff. He can plug in his uh, Pixel 3 and he can use Android Auto and it doesn't affect CarPlay in any way or or what I'm doing on it. Uh, It's really cool because I, I think... 
I mean, your friend, uh, I think, made a, a funny but good point where, like, the car actually is kind of the ultimate mobile phone accessory because we're in them. Uh, at least a lot of people do a lot of driving, and your phone is your primary entertainment and connectivity device. And so it should be front and center when you're in the car. Yeah, and we didn't even mention it in the iOS 13 show, but the CarPlay is so much better now. A lot better. Um, and if you have CarPlay, the power tip is go in and hit the customize button and the CarPlay settings. Because a lot of folks don't realize you can move the icons. Mm-hmm. Like like if you're always going, like let's say you use the Waze map app and it's on the second screen, you can move it to the first yep. screen. So just go in there and, and take a minute to do it. And for your SO significant other whatever apps they use just do it on their phone for them i did on my wife's phone because i know what apps she uses and so when she plugs in her apps just show up and um that's a a nice thing you can do for someone yep i'll put uh, a couple links to the uh the oldie knowledge base about some carplay stuff you can go explore one other uh, um accessory for your iphone for the car that i would recommend it's a former sponsor of the show years ago, but I still use it. It's called the automatic yeah. OBD adapter. And they got somehow they managed to get automatic.com good on them. But the, uh, it's a thing, you know, that little port in your car, it's usually under the steering wheel where when you take it in, they plug in the diagnostic tool to see what's going on. Like when you have a, a, a warning light flash, they can plug in to get the exact, you know, code for whatever the diagnostic is on your car. Well, this is an aftermarket device. You can buy their hundred bucks. And you plug it in, and then it has an app that it connects with on the iPhone, and it gives you tons of data on your car. It tells you like how aggressively you brake and accelerate. It can like score you. It also tracks every trip you take. So if you make a living driving around, you have to turn in your mileage. You get exact mileage and routes. Um, it just does a lot, and they continue to improve upon this. I have the Pro. And like, I'm looking at it right now and I can see my wife took the car today. So I can see the route she took to work today. That's kind of creepy, but <laughs> I know where she went. And then they have a new device. I just noticed was prepping for the show. They've even got a newer unit. I don't know even what it does. I didn't have time to figure it out, but I guess it's even better now. Um, but it's great. I mean, you've got that port sitting in there. Why not put data on it? Yeah, I have used one of these in the past. Uh, I don't use one currently. I don't forget what happened to mine, but uh, it is cool. And uh, some of the stuff it does is offset by like, newer cars. So some new cars will do more of this for you. But if you're like me and David, or something a little bit older, uh, this can add a lot of functionality to a vehicle that it wouldn't have otherwise. I'm, I'm getting my wife in lots of trouble today. But when we had the first one, we also have one of those brakes, those parking brakes, where you kind of reach up with your foot and you push down. Oh, no. Did she break it off? She put her foot on the the automatic, thinking that was the brake, and just like hammered it down. <laughs> oh boy, that makes me feel funny inside. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we need a new one of those because that one is never going to work again. <laughs> that one's done. <laughs> this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD-based server in the Linode cloud. And you get a server up and running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro resources and even node location. They're, they're always adding new locations, which is really cool. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, including me. At FM. we run some internal stuff on Linode. 
And it's all backed by their incredible 24-7 support team. So if you have any questions, you can get in touch with them. You can send them an email, you can give them a call, you can chat over IRC, whatever suits you best. And they have super useful guides and support documentation. So if you just need to quickly look something up or you don't want to talk to somebody, if you're one of those types, uh, you can just look it up and their documentation will get you on your way. They have a new management panel in beta at cloud.leno.com. This is a, a completely new management console. It's in a single page. It's built with cool new new React.js and their public API. It's all open source. And it's a great way to see what's going on with your Linode servers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And they have a special offer for you. As a listener of the show, you can go to linode.com slash MPU and use the promo code MPU2019 to get 20 bucks off any Linode plan. So you're thinking, you've already figured it out, with a one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. That's plenty of time to get something up and running. There's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash MPU and the promo code MPU2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's talk about uh, cases. We got this long and we haven't talked about cases. What's your case, Stephen? <laughs> well, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about my iPhone damage history. Yeah, you know the the long trail of broken iPhones in my past. So I'm using the Apple leather case on my iPhone 11 Pro. When I use a case, I use the Apple leather case. I prefer it over the silicone case. I think you've got to kind of see them and try them. You you may like the colors of the feel. I like the black leather case. It's simple. I like the leather the way it feels a little bit better than the silicone. And when I use a case, that's the one. Uh, that's the one that I use. And uh, we're talking about iPad keyboards in a second, so I'll hold off what I'm doing on the iPad. But on the phone, Apple other case wins for me. Yeah, I for the longest time I was no case guy. Then like with the iPhone um, 10s, I had the leather case. I, I bought the blue one. I really don't like how dirty it got over the year. I know it's supposed to look like it's worn, but with the blue, it just looked dirty. Yeah, to me. my wife has the red leather one on her iPhone 8, which she's had a couple of years now, and the edges look pretty gross at this point, like just really worn down and, and dark. So I had the clear one on. I, I took it off during the show. Yeah. Was it last week? I, I've lost track when we did that. It's, so my phone has not gone back in a case since then. I think I'm, I'm going to just largely keep it out of the case. I mean, for when I'm working... At home, I don't think it's a problem. Um, however, if I, w- I was out with family and I handed it to somebody to take a picture mm-hmm. of us, and I was thinking, oh boy, you know, please don't drop that's, it. That's when I feel it. That's when I feel it. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll keep this this clear one and put that in it when we go out. But and, the, uh, and that's what I do when it, once it's cooler weather. I'm not wearing shorts all the time. I will use the case if I'm out and about. So if I go to a football game or I'm doing yard work, or I'm on a bike ride, I'll put it in the case. But once it's cooled down significantly, I will use it without a case. Because again, I'm just at home. And yes, I did break an iPhone right here at my desk, but that was just one. All the others broke elsewhere. So I feel like my track record's uh, pretty good. 
I feel like cases are not as sexy as they used to be. I mean, I remember the days of Macworld towards the end where like half of the oh, yeah. vendors were selling odd, odd and weird cases. I remember they, they'd sell them that like they were machined aluminum and you had to have an Allen wrench to take it off. Yeah, I, I think I think Apple sucked a lot of the air out of the room. It's like, yeah, if you just want a case to break the back of your phone and the corners, get the Apple case. And if you want something uh, more robust, you know, a brand like OtterBox is probably the way to go. Yeah. They, Daisy will only buy OtterBox. She's a, she's a fan. And they make a lot of different styles and whatnot. But. They do. My, my dad is a contractor, and he has done some terrible things with his iPhone 7, like dropping off a house and all sorts of these crazy things. And the OtterBox just, just, takes, uh, just takes it and keeps on going. Yeah, she had uh, for uh, Disney assigned Daisy a separate mm-hmm. um, iPhone. I don't know if I'm. I hope I don't get her in trouble. <laughs> but they uh, they assigned her an iPhone, and they put them in Otter boxes, like the good Otter boxes, when they sign them out. And they were doing a press event, and there were like golf carts full of people, right? They were like flying these golf carts around backstage to get these people to their video shoot, and they hit a bump, and her phone flew out of her hand onto the ground and the golf cart behind just ran out over twice, you know, boom, boom, (laughs) no, no damage at all to the iPhone. Zero damage. They're, they are incredible products. The outer boxes. So it, it landed on the, the asphalt concrete bounced and then got ran over twice and the phone was fine. It's a good phone for kids. Good case for kids. It is a great, they have iPad cases that the kids, uh, our kids iPads are in because kids will destroy anything. Steven, pop sockets, yes or no? Not for me. Have you ever have you ever tried one? I have. So we had a challenge on Connected maybe about a year ago. I think it was about a year ago where we uh, all tried pop sockets for a while. Mike uh, Hurley stayed with one. He, he keeps one on his phone. I think he has one on his Kindle too, actually. Yeah. But it wasn't for me. I, I Since I carry the smaller phone, I don't carry the Max. I can get my hands around it pretty easily, and they do interfere with wireless charging. I know some people, like, you get it lined up just perfectly, and, like, they actually now sell a version where you can pop pop it off more easily and then wireless charge, but I want to wirelessly charge without thinking about it and without having to, like, play any games, and so it interfered with how I want to do things. So it is not for me, but I totally understand why people like them. Yeah, I tried one, too, and I just found I never used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of one on a Kindle is actually a good idea. Right. So. I think Gray came up with that. But it's uh, it's cool. You can go to their website. They have all sorts of artwork. You can make your own. So Mike's, I think, has the Relay logo on it, which is funny. Nice. But it's it's a totally reasonable thing to do if you want um, to, to hold a device more easily or prop it up, that sort of thing. All right. Let's move over to iPad for a minute and, and talk about that. Uh, cases and keyboards, I think they're kind of intermixed. Yeah, well, they are for most people, I think, or a lot of people, because they just use the iPad smart keyboard or smart keyboard folio, which is what I use on my yeah. iPad Pro. It's it's the Apple one. It's got the low travel keyboard in it. And I like it because it's thin. I don't have to charge it. And it, it works for me. Yeah, I have that with my iPad 11.9 inch, the smaller one. Oh, right. You're a multi-pad lifestyle. Yeah, I know. I know. But I... I got for the bigger one, I got the bridge keyboard and yeah, 
That I mean, for the I think for the big iPad, it makes a lot of sense because it's it's a it's superior in almost every way. I mean, the typing experience is better. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got it. Just it does really turn it into kind of a laptop. Sure. But when you get an iPad that big, it's kind of like a laptop anyway. Yeah, um, I've got I've got a bridge. Um, they sent me one, and I use it with the eleven inch some, but because I'm on the smaller iPad Pro. Like I, I kind of like that it's thin and light, and I don't want the extra bulk. I I use it some, but most of the time I'm just using the smart keyboard. Um, it's a nice it's a nice keyboard. I think that's the one. If you don't, if you're not happy with the Apple keyboard case combination, you want something better. I feel like Bridge is probably the one you go to. Yeah, I, I think so too. They they've made them a long time. They're really robust, and they. I've been very impressed with the build quality of it. In the past, when I've tried iPad keyboards, they were plasticky or flimsy. The bridge keyboard is none of those things. And it's it feels like something Apple would make, which I, I really uses a, a level of praise to that product. Okay. I want to talk about my most recent keyboard acquisition. Oh boy. I saw this and I I just just explain yourself, please. What is this? Are, are you does this, this does this bother you? Uh it, I it doesn't work for me, but I want to know yeah. what it is and does it work and how it works for you. So back in the Palm days, we're going way back. Mm-hmm. I used to get on airplanes with a pocket mechanical keyboard. It was like it folded in like three pieces. It was very rickety. I don't know how it ever worked, honestly, but it had a palm dock in it and you could sit on an airplane, plug your phone in your palm pilot or palm phone into it. And you could un- unravel this thing and you could type on it, which was great for text entry. You know, if you just need to write a letter or work on something. And I just got an itch for that again. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice if I could do that with my iPhone? So I started looking into small foldable keyboards. You know, where has that gone in the last 10 years? And it's got better, of course. And so I found this one. And there's some that are like $150. Microsoft makes one that's really expensive. Um, But I I didn't want to spend a lot of money. So I just looked through Amazon. I found this one called the iClever Keyboard. It's $33. And I've had it now for a month. It fits in my pocket. It's very flat. It's a Bluetooth keyboard. It kind of has the feel of the, um, the Apple keyboards you know the case keyboards sure but but the keys are not fabric covered the keys are distinct they stand you know they they're separate but they have very small switches and not very good switches in them but it makes a bluetooth connection it gives you ipad controls or iphone controls and i mainly use it with my iphone and just like occasionally i'll go out for an afternoon and not want to bring the ipad Hmm. but i may get stuck you know when you have a family sometimes a trip to have dinner turns into to, to a trip to the mall. You know, I don't want to go to the mall, but <laughs> if I have this little thing in my bag with my phone, I can write a blog post, you know? And so it's just, um, it's almost a toy, but it's really nice. And then I got with it, one of those little kickstands. Um, I, I'll have to dig, I, I'm not even going to bother digging out the link in Amazon. If you look for iPhone kickstand, I got a pack of 10 of them for like $15. <laughs> yes. They're just, it's a plastic thing that unfolds. And I gave them to my wife and my kids and I put one in each one of my bags. Mm-hmm. And then, so with this, the little kickstand and this little keyboard that fits in your pocket, if I want, I can do some serious typing on my phone. I had for a long time a little Microsoft Bluetooth keyboard that folded in half like this that I used for similar things, uh, but I, it died years ago. And I didn't bother replacing it, but um, 
this is cool. And, you know, a lot of people, if they're stuck with just an iPhone, they don't want to do a lot of typing on the glass for RSI issues or just general comfort or for me, just uh, speed and accuracy. And so something like this can sort of free you up if you're an iPhone only sort of mode. Yeah. And like it's 30 bucks. Yeah. It's not, it's not a huge investment. Can't go wrong. I fully expected for it to not work and me send it back, but it's working (laughs) fine, you know? And does it charge micro USB, I guess? Yeah, I guess. I, you know, yeah, it does. Everything, everything small does. Yeah. Here it is micro USB, but it, um, I haven't had to recharge it yet. Yeah. I've had it about a month. Yeah. It'll probably last a long time. But it's a it's a good idea. And there's other vendors out there. This one isn't like this wasn't an exhaustive search. I'm like, oh, that one looks about right. Yeah. <laughs> and the price is about right. Sure. And then I look at the re- the reviews weren't terrible, but then you never know on Amazon the reviews could all be written by the guy who made it. But but the um but I ordered it and it was great. It doesn't suck. How's that? That's good. I clever. It doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Glowing endorsement. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. I love Squarespace. I use it for basically all of my internet stuff, and that's because it lets me easily create a website. And they give you a unique domain. They've got award-winning templates. You can just build a site. I'm a nerd. I like doing nerdy things, but I don't want to nerd out on how to build a website. I'd rather have someone do it for me. And with the way the world is moving so quickly now, I don't have time to keep up with the latest standards. I just like let let Squarespace take care of it for me. So maybe you want to create an online store or an online portfolio, a blog. Maybe you're getting married or you're going to have a baby and you want to build a website for that. You can do that with Squarespace's all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and apply it to your new website so you don't have to monkey around with all that stuff. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your ideas and transform in any way you want them to. Uh, I set up MaxSparky.com because somebody told me they thought my website at MaxSparky back before I went on Squarespace may have been compromised because I had a bad plugin. Are you kidding me? A bad plugin? I'm just trying to get my work done here. I don't need to like monitor the security of my plugins. So I kind of rage quit all that stuff and signed up for Squarespace. I've never looked back. It's a it's a great service. They're always the website's always up. They take care of me. I do use that 24-7 customer support. If there's any problem I have, I get a nice friendly answer very quickly. And I really am happy with the move over to Squarespace. So when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Mac power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the Mac power users and all of RelayFM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So one thing we have not mentioned yet is the Apple Pencil, which, of course, got a big redesign last year with the USB-C iPad Pros. And I'm, I'm curious, is that something that you use often? And, and if you do, uh, sort of how? Like what, what apps, what sort of 
What has it brought to the iPad for you? Yeah, I was just thinking like, what's the case for the pencil at this time? You know, if you're going to get an iPad, because most of them have pencil support at this point, whether it's the new pencil or the old pencil. But they, uh, you know, so do you need it or not? I guess, you know, the first use case is if you're an artist and you want to draw on your digital iPad. And there are people that do some amazing work that way. That's not really me, but I still use the pencil. It's, you know, with the iPad Pros now, the pencil magnetically attaches to the side of the iPad, which is very convenient. And I find myself using it because it's there. I feel the same way. Like, I I don't draw with it. And I I will use it to navigate some documents sometimes or to, like, sign something. It's not, it hasn't been a life changer. But I I use it to manipulate the, um, to manipulate the the operating system. Like, I talked earlier in the ad spot about Omni Group, how I do all my reviews on OmniFocus. That involves a lot of detailed tapping and moving, you know, as I'm like removing tasks and whatnot. I just find doing that with the pencil easier than doing that with my finger. I mean, for whatever reason. And, or maybe even just a little faster mm-hmm. because I'll just sit there with my hand and just, you know, with very small movements, move the pencil tip around the screen. But that's, that's an example of where I use it. I also do, um, I still think GoodNotes is an amazing application. It is. Absolutely. And I am, um, I do take handwritten notes. I mean, I've got a kind of a strange analog digital mix to my life. And um, one of the things GoodNotes has in the current beta, which will hopefully ship to everybody soon, is the ability to scan a document, just like, um, you know, the document scanning applications do. Mm-hmm. So like if you handwrite something, you can import into GoodNotes very easily. But then occasionally you do want to write things down. I was at a client meeting the other day and I didn't have my fancy paper with me, but uh, he started describing something that I needed to draw a picture of, you know, a diagram. And I just opened good notes and opened a page and the pencil is just so useful for that. So for, for me, I use the pencil every day, not necessarily to make art, but just to kind of get through my day. I find, I find uses for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true for everyone. You could certainly get by. Like if I had, if you told me you can only have a pencil or a keyboard for your iPad, I'd have to go with keyboard. I mean, I use, yes. I use the keyboard more, but thankfully I don't have to make that choice. You know, <laughs> I don't have to cut the baby in half, uh, but the, uh, but I do find use for it. Um, I think what I'd recommend if you're on the fence about this and you're buying a new iPad, um, I would try it. Apple has, is it a 14-day or 20-day return period now? I forget. Let's say 14. We'll err on the side of caution. There we go. I mean, you're going to know in a week whether it's something you use or not. Oh, yeah. And and no matter which iPad you buy, they've got one for you. With the Pros, it's 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 a better experience, and it's a better pencil, frankly. But the um, but even the older, the first-generation pencil is pretty amazing. So um, if you don't know, I would try it. Uh, and just be cognizant of how much you use it and whether or not, you know, it's something that Apple's going to get back. They don't mind if you return it. They don't ask any questions. It's okay. Just keep the packaging and say, no, this didn't work out for me. But uh, I would not want to part with it. Health gear. We did a whole show on health last year, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask, what are the iPhone health accessories you're using? The... Why think smart scale, something I use very often. They have a bunch of different models and stuff. I'm just going to link to their like generic product page. And you can go look at them. Yeah. Uh, mine is really old, but it still works great. It syncs with their app. And uh, I really like that. Uh, the Apple Watch, which we're going to talk about in a second, another big um, health device for me. 
Um, but then I also wanted to mention an app that on the surface doesn't seem like it's related to health at all. But And we've talked about it before, about Do, D-U-E. And it's just a, a reminders app. But it's, its party trick is that it can basically nag you until you finish something. And so I have a couple of prescriptions I have to take at certain times. And I have them in do. And if I don't do them, it's going to keep reminding me every 15 minutes yeah. until I complete them. I like having that stuff out of my task management system. And do is a great place for that sort of thing because of that constant reminder. And so for me, as silly as it seems on the surface, that's actually kind of a big deal for me health-wise as well. Yeah, it's funny. I do the exact same thing with that app. It's great. <laughs> There's a couple of medications. One, I, if I, for, I always forget the morning. So I, uh, I get busy and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do tells me, and man, it tells you. Yes, it will not stop telling you until you do it. And you can customize all of that. So mine are really aggressive, but you don't have to have them that way. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're using um, a heart scale or heart rate monitor. Yeah. What's, uh, what are you using there? Well, it's just with the, the gym I go to, they give you one. Okay. And it, it connects to their system. Okay. And I'm not sold it's very good like my apple watch heart data i think is better than the one that they collect on mm-hmm. me but it okay. doesn't even connect to the phone so that's sure. kind of a separate thing it's a it's a shaming device is really what it is um, yeah but the uh, a friend of mine just sent me one of these upgrade upright go posture monitors and i'm looking at it right now i'm holding it. it's a little piece of plastic that you literally stick to your back hmm. and it monitors your posture as you go through the day are you hunching over a bunch? Is it telling you to stand up straight? Well, yeah, I think that's what it does. And I understand that it's actually, there's a lot of health benefits to this. I haven't got myself to actually stick it to my body yet. Yeah. But now that I've said it out loud on a podcast, I think I'm going to have to do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to report back in on this thing. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stick to myself. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've seen ads for this around the internet and I'm curious to see what you think about that because posture, standing, sitting, all that stuff, it all adds up. Well, the friend that sent it to me is a doctor, and she says, "Don't laugh. This is amazing." And um, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to stick this thing to myself as soon as we hang up. Should I do it right now? I think you should probably wait, just in case it goes poorly. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not even sure where it goes. <laughs> My forehead, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely where it goes. That's uh, that's right. <laughs> All right. But I, yeah, I, I do like the idea as a health device. We did a whole show on this, so you can go back and listen to that. But it, it does help. It does help. Uh, so what about the Apple Watch? We've both mentioned it now. Uh, is uh, I know I know we, we are activity buddies, so I know, you know you're working out and doing these things. Uh, has that changed recently with the Series 5, or, or is it sort of kind of the same as it always was? No, I, I'm 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 a big Apple Watch user, so it's on every day. But I wanted to say, what, where are you with watch bands? I wear almost exclusively the uh, the regular sports band, not the Velcro one. I'm looking at looking for the names real quick. The um, Apple Sports, just oh, the regular sports band, the sport band, the rubbery one. I don't really care for the sport loop with the fabric. Uh, I just don't like the look. And so I basically always wear a sport band. Uh, currently, I'm wearing the gray one that came with my titanium watch. Yeah, uh, It comes with its own band. I, I have a white one, a black one. And then I do have uh, an older, one of the Nike Plus ones with all the holes punched in it. Yeah. 
That I like for when I ride my bike. And what I have done, I'll have a link in the show notes to this, is a company called Road ID. And you can make bracelets or things that go around your ankle with your ID. So if you're running or walking or on a bike ride and something happens, you have some medical information on your body. So like your name, contact information. I have a very serious uh, allergy to a medication that actually kind of shows up in emergency situations. So I cannot have it. So that's on there. And they have, as of a couple of years ago, a version of this that slips over the, the sport band. And yeah. so I have that basically permanently slid on my Nike Plus band. So when I go for a bike ride or a run, occasionally when I do that, that is the band that I wear. And it just has the Roid ID on it basically permanently. So if you get hit by a car, they can see your emergency information. They know, they know who to call. No, that's really good. And um, and that's something we'll put a link to the show notes to that service because it's it's great. And the uh, But I will disagree with you. I, I think that the, uh, the sports loops are great. And mm-hmm. they're very adjustable. They absorb sweat. And like the, uh, what is it, fluoroelastomer bands do? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of nice. But usually when I go to the gym, I use a fluoroelastomer band too, because I just do, you know, mm-hmm. you can wash it off. You don't care about it. You know, if your hand gets wet. It's, uh, I mean, the, the sport bands are rock solid. But I have to admit, I do have an Apple Watch uh, band problem. Uh-oh. I've got like, maybe I'll put a picture in the newsletter of my okay. little container of all the wa- Apple Watch bands. And we'll put a newsletter a link in the show notes again, too. But the... um it's crazy, man. I just over the years I've collected them all and I've been I've had it since the series 1, so I've got a bunch of bands that came with the watches. I've got bands I bought several from Apple and then I bought a bunch from third parties. Sometimes I've had some vendors send them to me over the years. Um so I've got two or three leather bands. I've got a bunch of these I call them sweatpants bands, you know, the sports loops. It's like sweatpants for your watch. They do. But uh, on Amazon, there's vendors that sell them for like $10 that seem just as good as the Apple ones. Well, maybe not as good, but good enough. Good enough. And so I, I'm the guy who changes the watch band to match whatever, you know, shirt I'm wearing that day. I, I mean, I change them out some, like I said, I'm wearing the gray one right now. I've got the black one and the white one. I do have a bright orange one. I think they, I don't think they sell this color anymore. And uh, I wear that on occasion, but it is fun to change them out. But I don't have any of the stainless steel ones. I used to have one of the original like leather classic buckles, but I got rid of it years ago. The sport band, just the rubbery, you know, standard sort of standard band, uh, it works for me well enough. Yeah, I got a Nomad leather one years ago, uh, and it has, I think it's supposed to be stainless steel, but the buffing on it almost matches the titanium watch perfectly. Oh, nice. And it looks really nice with the titanium watch. So I wear that one quite a bit these days. Yeah, we're both rocking the titanium now. You you got to me. Yeah, I love that. I love that. But yeah, I you know, you can get bands pretty cheap on Amazon. And that, that connector, the way Apple did the connector, I think you're pretty safe with most of them. Don't come to me if it if you get a bad one. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But, the, uh, but I've bought several off Amazon over the years. The one that I've never done is any of the Steel Link stuff. I'm just not interested in those bands. They're too heavy and scratchy for me. Yeah, I've got a, a, a stainless steel bracelet on one of my mechanical watches, and you can't wear it when you type if you're on a laptop, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to scratch yeah. your laptop to kingdom come. They're nice to look at, and but they're heavy, and I don't, you know, the Apple Watch for me, I'm wearing it when I'm working out. The the leather ba- or the leather bands, the stainless steel bands, I would feel 
uncomfortable cleaning them as often as I clean the sport band. Cause you know, you get sweaty or if I'm mountain biking, yeah. there are times I come out of the woods and my entire Apple watch is like covered in mud. Right. And I could just like yeah. hose it down and dry it off and it'll be fine, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm just not a fan. I just, I think those are too heavy and it's just never really been a look for me, I guess. You're too cool for that look. I guess, but I do like, I do like switching the bands out. It's kind of fun. Last question. What's the worst accessory you've ever bought for an iPhone or an iPad? Uh, I'm going to take this a few degrees off from the question you asked. Okay. I, in 2012, attempted the iPod Nano as a watch thing. And so I will have a blog post from 2012 in the show notes. This was when the iPod Nano was square and all touchscreen. It was a terrible iPod. Like, don't buy one of these. But it, it, uh, there were several companies that made watch bands, and Apple even joked that, oh, some people wear it as a watch. And then it kind of happened, and there was a software update for it that added additional watches. like Because uh, you could set it basically when you were done with it, it would just basically default to a, a watch display, like, like the Apple Watch always on. Now, the battery life was really bad, of course. I remember they, like, they marketed that. And I tried it, and it was really bad. And I didn't wear it very long. But there's a blog post of this, uh, how I put it together with uh, something apparently called the Lunatic Blackout was the was the uh, the band I used. That website is no longer up. This is how long ago this was. But I'm ashamed that I did this. But it's on the Internet and it'll be there forever. <laughs> yeah, my my dumbest purchase ever for an iOS device was the Logitech. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Logitech base charging stand. And it's still for sale. I just looked it up. I mean, it's just, it's like a piece of metal with a bend in it. And it's got the smart connector on it. You know, the smart connector that was only used for the keyboards. In fact, this is, to my knowledge, the only other accessory ever to use that smart connector. And it charged it ridiculously slow. I think it was almost like wireless charging speed. And it was a hundred bucks. And I wanted to do a review on it. And then I hated it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, I might as well have lit a hundred dollar bill on fire. <laughs> it charged really slowly, right? Super slowly. I think Jason ended up reviewing it. Yes. Yes. Basically threw it under the bus because it was pretty bad. Don't buy that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. That was a dumb purchase, but I don't even know where it is now. It Maybe work. I'm using it as a doorstop somewhere. All right. Well, I guess there's a few accessories for the iPad the iphone yeah this has been fun to go through what we use and uh there's lots of things out there so if you have something you really love be sure to chime in on the forums this week there'll be uh, a post for this episode i'd like to see what y'all are using yeah what works and what doesn't work you know what are your what were your horrible mistakes what were your huge successes love to hear that and i think the mac power users community is pretty well informed on this uh but anyway that is accessories as of 2019 Thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, Omni Group, Linode, and Squarespace. Uh, We will see you next week, but I have to go right now and stick something to my body. Good luck with that.